Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So if you go back a few years, it was Coldplay and Beyonce. And Beyonce's was like a Black Lives Matter March Mm -hmm. thing when she performed. And then Coldplay's was Everybody Be One Global. That was their whole theme. And then it was something, I don't remember, I'm not a huge Super Bowl fan, but... uh, the last one that I remember was the Shakira J Lo Wine Mom strip dance. Very weird. Like, yeah, oh, get your daughters to strip right, and uh, then we have this, and uh, this one to me looks like it's you know, it's about us being drones. It's about us being mind control, and we don't even know it. And that's what they usually like to do in that those those big Super Bowl high profile ritual events is to really throw it in your face. Um, think back to when pink literally was in, I don't know if it's the VMAs or MTV uh, awards or whatever, but she's up there literally undergoing a Masonic initiation ritual with right. her, you know, uh, sleeve or her, uh, pant leg hiked up and she's got the blindfold on and she's doing like this. And there's the noose around her neck. I mean, very obviously a Masonic uh, initiation. Lady Gaga hanging there, bloody as a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. There's one from Taylor Swift where she was being initiated in this eyes wide sh- uh, shut style ritual in the UK. So I think they are absolutely 100% throwing that that uh, ritual initiation stuff in our face. Yeah. You're watching the American Journal with Harrison Smith. The Alex Jones Show. This is the War Room with Owen Schroyer. Infowars, the most banned network in the world. You're tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, welcome back, folks. It's American Journal, Infowars.com, band.video. Very happy to welcome my guest, Jay Dyer. And I'll go ahead and uh, read the little bio here for you just as a quick introduction in case you aren't aware of his work. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at J underscore D007. His website is jaysanalysis.com. Jay Dyer is an author, comedian, TV presenter known for his deep analysis of Hollywood, geopolitics, and culture. His graduate work focused on psychological warfare and film, and he's the author of two books, Esoteric Hollywood 1 and 2, and the co-creator and co-host of the television show Hollywood Decoded. He's been featured on numerous popular shows and podcasts and in debates with some of the world's top debaters. Quite a, uh, a resume there. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Jay. Thank you, Harrison. Pleasure to be here. I like your show. Thank you. I'm looking forward to calls. It's going to be wild. Yeah, we got a couple calls uh, with questions uh, for Jay, and we'll get to those in just a second. But first... I just wanted to ask you sort of for my own uh, personal edification, uh, what your path has been like? Because you've been involved, you've been sort of a fixture in the alternative news world for a long time. I first became aware of you because of um, the esoteric Hollywood stuff, sort of exposing the symbolism 
and the mind control that's you know carried out in uh, our, our mainstream media and our especially our popular culture. Um, but what what's been your path and what's your focus now? Uh, and uh, just sort of how have you grown as a uh, as a uh, decoder of the the esoteric world? My path was uh, I was raised Christian, sort of nominal Baptist kind of Christian, and then uh, I got uh, pretty wild in high school and uh, partied a lot. And then decided that was a little uh, too much, needed to tone it down a little bit, scale it back. And so I went to uh, college and studied philosophy. Mm-hmm. When I was in college, I studied uh, film and philosophy. And I started noticing, just being a film buff, that a lot of stuff that was in movies was also kind of real. Like you would you would notice patterns and things that uh, happened in the real world that were very similar to what was in fiction and film. And um, I started wondering why that is. And I had some some favorites that I was into in high school. Like I really liked Mel Gibson's conspiracy theory. Mm. So that kind of set me on the path, you know. And uh, I was always a big fan of The Godfather and mafia movies. And if you, if you have that kind of an attitude, then you're kind of skeptical, I guess, already of authority, you know. Right, right, yeah. Way sure. that. And then so I I started one of the first papers I wrote was about the mafia, and I looked into how they were related to uh, intelligence agencies and. The CIA had actually helped the mafia in many cases in history. And that just kind of led me down a rabbit hole uh, in college of studying um, the next phase, which is psychological warfare. And that's right around the time that I stumbled on Alex's Bohemian Grove right. stuff. And then um, I found a clip of him critiquing Skull and Bones. I was like, what's Skull and Bones? Right. I found Anthony Sutton's book and I read mm-hmm. that. And uh, that led me down just another rabbit hole of, of trying to connect the intelligence world, espionage, history, with fiction with movies and and the more i dove into that and the more i saw that it's really just like one big you know interconnected like right rubber, it's like a rubber band ball full of conspiracy and it's why we can seem crazy sometimes yeah. because it's like it's like okay these things don't seem connected exactly. but, but when you get a sort of holistic understanding of it all they're all very intricately in, interconnected actually yeah, I remember the first time I came across the connections between Hollywood and intelligence agencies. I mm-hmm. thought it was crazy. I was right. Like, what? I mean, it's just people who make movies and want to make money, right? That's the, the typical response that you get from people is people just want to make money. Yes. As if there's never a higher goal than making money. Well, some people, especially people that print the money, like right. they don't have the goal just of making the money, right? They, they literally, literally, they literally have all of the money. So like making they money. make the money. Right. They don't need to make money. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I uh, got into studying uh, Bond, Fleming, that whole that whole nexus, right? And um, and then I realized that that I'm writing for academia. I'm writing for uh, uh, an audience that's never going to read this mm. right? because if you write a, a master's thesis or a PhD, it just sits there in a library. And nobody reads it, right? Except an advisor or whatever. Uh, so I just I got sick of academia. Decided I want to be a professor, and then I just moved into trying to do media. I, th- I was always inspired by the way Alex did his own media. And right. I thought you know I'm going to try to do that. I could just I'd rather do that than work as a wage slave, you know, at some place. And so that's a risky move. It was a risky move, but it worked out. So uh, that was I don't know ten years ago. Started trying to do that, and it took took several years, but then finally kind of gelled, coalesced into talking about whatever. I find interesting, and that happened to be not just movies and symbolism and intelligence agencies, but also then it sort of branched out into, I want to talk about philosophy, right? I mean, mm. study a lot of that in college, and I think it's pretty interesting. And then that branched into theology. I want to talk about, you know, religion, the history of the, uh, the church, that kind of stuff. So then that branched into just debates, uh, right. which I didn't actually expect to happen, but, uh, you know, the certain atheists started reaching out, hey, will you debate me? Let's do a debate. And then that, again, it just kind of snowballs. Right? Yeah, yeah. It turns into where it is now. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been a, a wild journey. Well, you're, you're riding that wave. And now I know um, 
your your big thing is orthodoxy, right? You're an orthodox Christian, and you do a lot of debates with atheists or Catholics or anybody Muslims about too. or Muslims as well um, about orthodox Christianity. And I know some of my best friends are, are orthodox Christian, Greek uh, orthodox uh, from the Middle East and stuff. And I've always been very attracted to that uh, realm of Christianity. I grew up or um, I grew up Episcopalian, mm. um, but it seemed to me like everything my friends believed from the Orthodox Church seemed right on. It just seemed correct. And, um, you know, just from my own personal experience, I was always sort of attracted to that. So I have uh, friends of mine are always sending me your videos, your debates and things like that, because uh, they feel like you're a really powerful voice and one of the only voices really expressing, um, you know, the, the Orthodox theology right. out there in the world. So what attracted you to that and how does that relate into the the mind control and the, you know, all that sort of stuff? Well, being raised Baptist, I had an appreciation for Protestantism and, and for the Bible. Um, but, uh, in my early twenties, I got really deep into church history and the church fathers and how the Bible came to be. And that kind of led me into reading Catholic stuff. And back in the, in the early two thousands, there wasn't a whole lot of online resources that, as there are today about this kind of stuff. So from, in my mind at that time, it was just kind of a Catholic Protestant level debate. Right. And so I had a long period uh, throughout my twenties and early thirties where I was uh, in the traditional Catholic world. I got really into Thomas Aquinas and that kind of medieval scholastic approach. Uh, and then um, once you get in the Catholic world, you, you're confronted with Vatican II and the modern liberalism of Pope Francis and John Paul II. And so you have to kind of de deal with that. And so I tried for many years to make that work. And really what solved it for me was just looking at the first thousand years of Christianity. How do they operate? How the church operate? What did it look like? Because for me, that would be authentic Christianity, right? Right. Because between the East and the West, for the thousand years, the first thousand years, they're, they're the same, more or less, Right. So that's the question I think resolves the issue between Orthodox and Roman Catholic. I, w I wasn't really interested in the, the Protestant world anymore, but um, you know, I still have appreciation for a lot of Protestant uh, debaters and theologians. Dr. Greg Bonson's a big hero of mine. He was a famous debater who would destroy atheists back in the 90s. And um, But I just felt like there was something missing. And so I uh, got into Orthodoxy about eight or nine years ago. I didn't immediately convert. I studied it for, for a long time. And then, finally, and it's a process to convert, yeah, even yeah, yeah you have to go through a bunch years, of stuff, yeah, depending on who it is. And so, what is the role of orthodoxy now moving forward, and what can it offer to the modern world? Because I know, like I said, a lot of my friends are orthodox, and they're like, they're like, that's it's the only solution. They're like, all all the Christians around the world, we need to come under one church so we can all be sort of a unified front against what we see around us, which is this pretty open Satanism attempting to destroy all the churches piecemeal. We need to all come together. What's mm -hmm. the role of orthodoxy? Do you think in the modern world? I think it is the authentic expression of Christianity. Uh, that's not to deride people that aren't Orthodox, but just simply to say that I think that Orthodoxy is what has the fullness of Christianity. And um, uh, I think that it represents, because it's not just a focus on the political, right? right. Not to deride the political, it's important. But I kind of think there's higher level things that, that kind of influence the political sphere. And, you know, there's the family sphere and there's the, you know, all these different spheres of life. But that spiritual sphere is really what dictates, and I think is the most important. That's why I kind of focus on that um, realm most of the time in my debates and my talks nowadays. But um, I think that orthodoxy represents the best hope for resistance because it has this notion of a balance between the particular and the common. So mm. one of the many. And by that, I mean that you can retain your, your, who you are, your tradition at the same time as being linked to other people with common principles and ideologies. And so there's a balance there. You're not like forced all the way over into some kind of like collectivism at the same time as you're not forced all the way over into some atomistic anarchic individualism. 
capitalism. Right. There's a balance there to, that, that's, that's really the heart of the whole system, philosophically speaking. Um, and, yeah. and, and when it comes to the political, uh, I've seen the occasional, and you were, you actually were talking about it in a video that uh, was sent, and we played the video yesterday, a Catholic, um, I guess, bishop or a Catholic priest talking about the mark of the beast, talking about how we're up against evil. But to me, it's, it's mostly the Orthodox that are actually saying, hey, this is the mark of the beast that we're facing. We have to stand up against this, where it seems like Protestants don't even know and are, and are just going uh, you know, full force into this, this world of evil. So we'll talk about all of it and more and take your calls. It's Jay Dyer. Jay'sAnalysis.com is the website. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's American Journal. Jay Dyer is my guest. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore D007 and his website, jaysanalysis.com. Now, you mentioned uh, James Bond and uh, Ian Fleming. Is that uh, inspire your 007 moniker yeah, here on Twitter? Yeah, silly. And, I mean, back when I started Twitter years and years ago, I didn't even think about it being like a media thing. I was just being silly. So I don't think I'm 007. <laughs> uh-huh. We'll see. All right, we're going to go out to your phone calls. People have some questions for Jay, and we'll, uh, we'll uh, toss the mic over to him as soon as uh, you get your questions in. And we've done this a few times, and it's worked pretty well because the callers have been very... Uh, concise and insightful and then uh we let our guest uh take over so let's go to scott in texas who has a question about uh bill gates thanks for calling in scott you are on the air with jay dyer gil bates gil bates <laughs> scott are you there Pleasure to speak to matthew gentlemen Hello. Yeah, i'm here hey jay i loved you on grand theft world a couple weeks ago that was awesome Thank uh, you. i just realized richard grove's been around for a while so that yep. was pretty interesting watching y'all two come about um, my point was about a lady called in on the war room a few months ago and was talking about a Bill Gates little, uh, he was like introducing the God gene and how to eradicate it to the Pentagon. I just wanted to let everyone know that the Corbett report, James Corbett did an amazing job and fact checked it and it's, it's all fake. Right. Like the whole thing yeah. is just, you know. One of those disinformation little things. So I just wanted to get that get that out there. But yeah, okay. uh, what do you think about the Super Bowl, Jay? Yeah, actually, I don't know if uh, I don't know. Maybe Owen and I were going to talk about. It, I'm not sure, but uh, there was obvious symbolism oh. in the fact that you had this choir right, of robots, and then you have all these people sort of walking, you know, in step like drones, and then they all collapse after staring at their cell phones. And they've got surgical masks on. I was starting to think that maybe next year they're going to man- mandate that we have to wear surgical masks to cover our whole right. face or whatever. So yeah, I think it was just preposterous. It was wasn't even a good performance, um, and it was pretty much. I mean, the red and the black to me suggested either something communistic or perhaps Church of Satan. I don't know. Well, you, you know, uh, people I feel like are getting more aware of the fact that there's this symbolism. And thanks to your work, thanks to Alex Jones, thanks to just people, you know, spreading messages about this or dissecting what they're seeing. It seems like, you know, the halftime Super Bowl show used to be like a full on, like, satanic ritual, ritual yeah. right? And do, do you think now the people in charge are sort of, tempering their their uh their symbols do you think they're sort of pulling back a little bit because so many people are waking up and becoming aware and actually looking out for this stuff i would have thought so maybe but no <laughs> like uh there was the, so if you go back a few years it was coldplay and beyonce and beyonce's was like a black lives matter march mm-hmm. thing when yep. she performed and then coldplay's was everybody be one global that was their whole theme and then it was something, I don't remember, I'm not a huge Super Bowl fan, but uh, 
the last one that I remember was the Shakira J Lo Wine Mom strip dance. Very weird. Like, yeah, oh, get your daughters to strip right, and uh, then we have this, and uh, this one to me looks like it's you know. It's about us being drones. It's about us being mind control, and we don't even know it. And that's what they usually like to do in that those those big Super Bowl high profile ritual events is to really throw it in your face. Um, think back to when Pink literally was in I don't know if it's the VMAs or MTV uh, awards or whatever, but she's up there literally undergoing a Masonic initiation ritual with right. her you know uh, sleeve or her. Uh, pant leg hiked up and she's got the blindfold on and she's doing like this and there's the noose around her neck i mean very obviously a masonic uh, initiation lady gaga hanging there bloody as a sacrifice mm -hmm. there's one from taylor swift where she was being initiated in this eyes wide sh uh, shut style ritual in the uk so i think they're absolutely 100 percent throwing that that uh, ritual initiation stuff in our face yeah yeah um the other thing that uh, Scott from Texas, th thanks for the call, Scott, he mentioned was the Bill Gates video. And I know we've all seen it. And I I've heard a little bit about it not being legitimate, but I was never really able to confirm whether it was totally fake, totally false, or whether it was not, you know, it wasn't Bill Gates, but it was real. Um, what's the what's the the background on that? So there was a video going around from uh, the mid two thousands, and it was uh, this idea that the Pentagon had. It was a guy giving a lecture, and it was uh, supposedly that the Pentagon had developed a um, uh, a vaccine that could erase the religious spheres in the brain. Right, the fun vax. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then um, it eventually morphed into this this idea that. You, that was Bill Gates, and 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 that was all disinformation. But um, I do think that presentation was a real presentation about right. some kind of inoculation that could do that. I don't know if it was the Pentagon or where it was, but um, I mean that's been floating around for a long, long time. Yeah, because the video seemed real for me. I, I can usually yeah. tell if something's. But it's not anything to do with Bill Gates or whatever. Right. Yeah. Don't have anything to do with Bill Gates. But and of course, even even if that presentation was totally fake, we do have very real. Uh, scientific evidence where they're like, we can shut off parts of the brain with magnets exactly. and it makes you less faithful and, and all this sort of stuff. So the science is real, whether that presentation is real or who's who's involved in it. Right. It might just be a, a nice a nice little uh, illustration yeah, of something yeah. that could have happened. Yeah, and here's the here's the video. So it is a real presentation, and but you can't really tell who's up there giving the presentation, but that's not Bill Gates. Right, and it's not Bill Gates. And that's the and so that, that allows them, because people say it's Bill Gates, they're allowed to say, nope, totally fake, totally false, it's not Bill Gates. And it's like, well, that's not really the important part. The important part is that they've developed a vaccine. This thing. Yeah, I <laughs> to mean, get rid you, of religion. You get into the history of DARPA and the Pentagon. I mean, they've been studying this stuff since their inception. I mean, yeah. the whole history of mind control is directly connected to, like, you know, brain chip interface stuff. Right. right back to the 30s, 40s, 50s. So there's no doubt that that's the kind of thing that they study and research. And there's been a lot of public articles that have come out about, you know, DARPA developing stuff that wipes memories mm -hmm. and, and, and whole centers of the brain. I went on a, a date with a girl one time who had undergone a surgery. Really? She had a traumatic memory that was, like, they, they pinpointed where it's, the memories are stored for certain things. And they had like, I don't know, snipped it out or what? Wow, they did. that's but creepy. I don't, I don't like, think she was lying. I mean, she was like, she's like, I had a tra traumatic event, and you know, bugged me all the time, and I, I just wanted to have it out of my head. And so she's like, I went into this, you know, free experimental surgery, and blah blah blah. Wow, that's incredibly creepy. And you know, I mentioned um, earlier today that interview with Mike Wallace and um, Aldous Huxley, where he's talking about 
you know, they'll they'll make you be happy when you oughtn't be happy. And one of the things he was discussing back in 1956 was at that point they already had nodes that they could, you know, install into your brain and and basically activate your dopamine or your serotonin or whatever it is to make you happy, even though, you know, the situation that you're in actually should be miserable. So for, you know, at least 50, 60 years, this technology has been available to think that they have not been continuing this research or that they aren't actually using it uh, is is pretty far-fetched. You know, one of the popular psychonauts has a whole chapter in his book on his research into the chip brain interface. Dr. Mm. John Lilly, if you read his uh, autobiography, John C. Lilly, he has a whole a chapter on how, like he, he was devel- doing the float tank stuff and he thought that was really interesting. And then um, when he started work- doing the brain chip stuff, he says that's when the, the Navy and the ONI, Office of Naval uh, Intelligence, and the, the CIA and all these people came to him and said, it was like, oh, we, 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 we like this brain uh, chip stuff. So uh, Yeah, well, it's very tempting for people that want uh, total control to, exactly. to use their mind control. And then uh, I, I did a, a big a big thing uh, last year about, uh, I always forget his name, uh, the Jonestown, Jonestown and Jim Jones, and how that was all connected to the mind control yes. experiments that were being carried out in uh, you know mental institutions in the 70s. You and Cameron. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's all very creepy. Well, we'll go to more of your phone calls uh, on the other side. We'll start with uh, Dennis in New Hampshire about the need to get vocal about resisting. Stay with us, folks. It's American Journal, Infowars.com and band.video. Share these links. You're tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. Uh, with a primate is have it learn through trial and error that by thinking it can move a robotic arm and feed itself. Uh, It didn't take too long for the uh, neural interface issue to be resolved once people figured out you could implant electrodes on brain tissue and then take a biological signal and turn it into an electrical signal and amplify it. The monkey would begin to experiment and would think about where it wanted the arm to go. So it was learning, I have a new appendage. Uh, The same is true in people. As you can see, just four years later, uh, we see it being done in humans. 45 minutes ago, uh, I got to use a robotic arm for the first time. And uh, we got to reach out and touch somebody for the first time in seven years. It also has some fun implications. If you see now, where do you imagine this going when you think of it as an offensive or defensive opportunity with respect to the intelligence community? The natural segue then would be, if I can send motor function from a brain to a mechanical arm, is it possible to send motor functions from one human to another human? So I call it the possession experiment. But essentially what's happening is when one person is playing the video game, they're not using their hands. They're simply looking at targets. What's going on in the other room is a transcranial magnetic stimulation device that creates a magnetic field that excites neurons. And it's the other man's hand that begins to move and hits the targets. So you've co-opted the portion of a body of another human, and then their hand can behave in the way that you want it to do. Um, but the person on the receiving end described the sensation as rather odd. He said, I didn't know anything until I saw my hand beginning to move and felt that it was something other. And its hand was moving. The hand could punch in a code. The hand could do a number of things. But the really fun part was that you're taking over somebody else's physical body with the mind of another human. So there you go. Uh, The the possession experiment. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A uh, presentation that I guess was given to the Defense Department about how this could be uh, weaponized. And that video is within a larger video from Way of the World called Creating a New Human for a New Global Order. Uh, so all of this uh, ties in together, doesn't it, Jay? It does. I was, I was remembering the... Um book by jose delgado which is physical control of the mind and so the irony is that pretty much all of these mk ultra doctors you can still find their books mm. they all have public uh, public published books um even to the point where you can find um uh, dr westerbrooks has a, a famous uh, piece that he published on uh, splitting personalities through these mm. kinds of uh, techniques and um that was actually published that's still in the dsmb as far as i know i looked a couple years ago so this is all public it's been there for a long time it's just people don't know that <clears throat> and so i'm not surprised that they have expanded the, the mad science craziness to you know try to have some guy who's like controlling yeah yeah literally i mean yeah the guys in the control room like they have my chip in right, right. incredibly creepy like literal literal flesh puppets yeah, yeah right. in, in case uh just being a figurative puppet wasn't enough for them. Uh, of course, my guest, uh, Jay Dyer, at J underscore D007 on Twitter. His website, jaysanalysis.com, uh, where he gets into all of this stuff and more. And we want to go out to uh, the phone calls because you have questions for him or uh, comments that perhaps he can respond to. Dennis in New Hampshire uh, wants to talk about the need to get vocal about resisting. Uh, thanks for calling in, Dennis. You're on the air with Jay Dyer. Dennis, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you, Dennis. Yes, you're on the air. Okay, yeah, good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Of course, this is a little different than where Jay, my my initial comment and what I wanted to talk about, but it can pertain. Um, one of the things that woke my eyes up months and months ago during the summer, I go to church regularly and I watch the parents march their little children up with their masks dutifully on, uh, positioning it, two, three-year-old kids. And it just struck me as what's going to happen 15, 20 years from now when this generation of three, four, five, ten-year-old children that are paranoid, just have this paranoia fear drilled into them, this germ, what's going to become of society? Now, that being said, I immediately, when I started to think about this, said, you know what? There's only one way to fight this. Every single solitary person has to be vocal. Yes, it's okay not to wear the mask. You don't believe in, and I don't believe in wearing the mask either. I think it's a lot of bunch. First off, people spend more time touching their face, adjusting it, right. when they wear the mask than if they didn't have the mask. Yeah. So with that, with that being said, what my approach is, is I get vocal about it. I go to the store, and if I see the red arrow going this way, do not enter. I stand there, and I wait until there's a, you know, I don't draw a crowd, but I, I will soon. What I tell you, I, I say, I'm going this way because I'm told this is not what I'm supposed to do. Oops, I guess I'm going the wrong way. And then when I'm walking through a store and it says you must wear a mask, guess what I say? I'm not wearing a mask. And, and, and I got to tell you something. I would say 50% of the people or more, they just break out laughing 
but they have their mask on because they're following. Just right. like sheep. People yeah, and that's, stand up and, and get vocal about this. Yeah, and that's and that's uh, distinctly American of you, I would say. Th- thank you so much for the call. Dennis, so Dennis touched on a couple points uh, there, Jay, that we'll get your uh, your comment on. Obviously, the use of fear, the effect this is having uh, on children. And then, you know, are we losing as Americans losing this, uh, you know, come and take it attitude, this sort of rebellious attitude that's always been an aspect of our uh, of our DNA as Americans? Are we losing that? I mean, aren't we like Lewis and Clark? Aren't we people that go on expeditions and adventures? I mean, we used know, to be. Yeah. Right? Could you imagine uh, the the idea? We were at, we were talking about this when I was at uh, church a while back. Uh, the idea that people who even go to church think that this is somehow you know they're going to get sick at church, and so imagine going to the great physician Jesus. Right. And wearing your mask, walking up to Jesus to be healed. Right. Right. But oh, you want to get, you don't want to give Jesus COVID. Right. So right. Like, he's the great physician. It's just, it's just that silly. Right. I mean, that's the point of going to churches, right? You're, you're there to be healed, both physically and spiritually. So uh, I just think it's absurd. It's, it's the weirdest uh, psyop I've ever seen. Like it's so global. It's, it's so in, in everyone's face. It's just amazing. I've never seen anything like this. And I mean, I've studied psyops for a long time. Right. This right. This one is just, unbelievable totally over over overbearing right and uh, what i keep trying to express or at least trying to figure out for myself is how all of these different things tie in together because i don't think it's any coincidence that we saw covid at the same time that we saw the black lives matter riots break out the same time that we saw the voter fraud i mean they all tie into each other right and and do you think it's just now that that people are starting to wake up and they had you know uh, that setback with trump for the globalist plans to move forward were they, are they just desperate to try to get back, you know, to where they were and try to prevent sort of people from rebelling against them? What do you think it is that's caused last year and now into this year the insanity to just ratchet up 100 times? Any ideas? It's that we're at this crucial point where <clears throat> they want to move uh, to the next phase of the plan. Right. Uh, it's that age of transition I was talking about yesterday. So they have to bring in all this chaos and then even to the point of uh, made-up crises, right? I mean, think about climate change. That's a great example of a huge, mm. you know, scam that's not even a real threat. But most of the left, half the population operates under this false notion that, you know, we just existing are damaging the environment. And so the, the, you notice this pattern over and over of crisis, 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 crisis. All the global elite books talk about crisis. And so they'll even invent these crises, and that's what it is. It's just fear, straight up just controlling people by fear because most people are controlled by fear. Right. right? So, um, yes, that's why they have to sort of uh, grind that out of us, break our will, as they just recently said. And the breaking of that will, I think, is what is one big purpose of the mask. Mm. And, they'll, and they'll do that. Uh, you know, you can read about the Soviets and, and these and different tyrants who would do this kind of absurd stuff. It was making me think of how in gulags, like they would say, okay, move these, this pile of rocks from here to here. And you do that all day. And then like, okay, now move it back. Right. And it's, it's absurd. It's meaningless to degrade and dehumanize and sort of break you down. Yeah. And of course we were talking about uh, Jonestown and the idea that, uh, you know, my whole thing is like they're indoctrinating us into a death cult. And that's one of the like primary tools of cults. A lot of time for brainwashing is you get your flock to truly believe in the absurd. So they'll accept very readily the stuff that isn't quite as absurd, but just as damaging. It's uh, we're literally being indoctrinated into a death cult using uh, our fear as a lever to, to, uh, to shove us into that more with Jay Dyer on the other side, folks, final segment of American Journal. Stay with us.
Final segment of American Journal, Infowars.com. The Alex Jones Show begins at 11 a.m. I'm sitting here with Jay Dyer, his Twitter at J underscore D007, his website, jaysanalysis.com. Does amazing stuff with Esoteric Hollywood. Uh, his books, Esoteric Hollywood 1 and 2, are sort of uh, just you know great primers on how to decode the symbolism that we see shoved in our faces uh, from, from every direction. And there you have the, uh, the Bitcoin header. We talked a little bit about Bitcoin uh, a little bit earlier, what's your what's your read on Bitcoin now? And it's it's in the news so much. Uh, I'm happy. I, I I got interested in 2017, and uh, initially was I was telling you I was very skeptical. I wrote some articles uh, critiquing it, saying I thought it was a scam, and then I changed my mind when I, the more I got into it, and I realized that. I mean, as with any technology, it can be used for good or for evil. Right. You know, a gun can be used for good or for evil. Um, and then I realized that this is much more than um, a monetary network or a thing to make money. This is actually something revolutionary that we've never seen in the history of the world. This is a right. way to store not just value and energy over time without loss, but even ideas, even things that like information and knowledge so that it can't be erased. Right. You understand that that's what that can be. The potential for that is amazing. There's never been anything like that. Yeah, and, we, and we've and we had a lot of callers talk about that uh, when we're sort of brainstorming how to prevent voter fraud. People say yeah. uh, um, the, that process is, is one way that that could be actualized. And then it also goes to the heart of the issue, right, is that – and I, we, we were talking in the break, so I can't remember what we talked about on air or what we talked about during the break, but we were talking about – uh, the monetary system, how it's not all about m money. These people aren't right. trying to make money. They have all the money. So you know, money is just a, a system of control for them that they can use and exploit. And this sort of goes to the heart of that, right? Uh, of course, Ron Paul, the great, like, you know, cut off the head of the snake in the Fed. Uh, and that's that's what Bitcoin is helping to do. Well, I talked to a guy last night who is a super duper knowledgeable, longtime uh, engineer, pro Bitcoin type of person. And this was essentially what we're talking about was that he he was pointing out that people think this is just like a stock or some sort of thing that you're trading and they don't understand how revolutionary the technology is right and it took for me it took two engineers explaining this to me not money guys mm. which i initially heard about it through max kaiser <laughs> which is fine because they got me interested in it and max did kind of convince me to, to get into buying some several years ago but uh when i understood the engineering philosophy a bitcoin that's when i really was like oh then the, the light comes on you realize what this actually is it's like the library of alexandria right online and it can't be destroyed because you know it's a decentralized network so you can't you know my books they could burn my books they can delete my books and you know the internet is turning into a thing where they literally like 1984 mm -hmm. erase history yeah so how do we preserve for future generations well, the, the, the potential for the blockchain is that kind of a thing, to be, yeah. able, to be a library of Alexandria that's also a transfer of value, also a store of value, also a store of representation of human energy, because everything else, fiat, it just bleeds and leaks your energy right, right through inflation over time, it's, it, which is theft. Right. Yeah. So once I understood that that's really what this is, the potential is amazing. All right, so let's uh, let's go out to we'll try to do one more phone call here before we have to uh, close it down with uh, Jay Dyer. Let's go to uh, Daniel in Texas. He wants to talk about uh, the Jesuits and Trump. I hear a lot of talk about the Jesuits. I don't maybe understand it as well as others, but uh, thanks for calling in, Daniel. You're on the air with Jay Dyer. Yeah, thanks, guys. Hey, I want to like go all the way back to 2016 debate. You know, when uh, I was hearing Trump talk about border walls and stricter immigration from radical Islam countries. Mm -hmm. And me being a U.S. Army vet, that appealed to me. 
So I've been a Trump supporter ever since, okay? At that time, I had no idea about Alex Jones or Infowars or anything. I basically hadn't been red-pilled yet, okay? Then I uh, go to a new congregation. Uh, I get involved with Elder Jerry Healan out in Atlanta, Texas. And, Jay, I would like to refer a book of his to you. I think you would enjoy it. It's called The Spirits Like Frogs Identified. I'm recommending that to the world right now by Elder Jerry Healing. And you can find that at www.yea777.org. All right, well, we're, we're kind of running out of time here, Daniel. So do you have a question for uh, Mr. Dyer? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, you know, Kanye Trump calls Trump uh, uh, his brother in dragging energy. The OK sign that they used to throw up said it was white supremacy. Everybody behind the known knows that's 666. Mm. Every time Trump made a major point, he would do the OK sign. He was swearing to the 666 when he did that. All right, he went to the school of Jesuits. I know his dad was a big Sean Birch guy, you know, but he's just a puppet too. He don't give a crap about us. He never did. He's just a good actor. He got tuned up on uh, The Apprentice. Yeah, you guys, tune up. All right, all right. Yeah, I, th- I think we, I think we got your point, uh, Daniel. I'm sorry to cut you off, but we're running out of time here. Uh, thank you so much uh, for the question. Uh, what's your What's your read on uh, on uh, Trump, Jay? Uh, controlled, uh, controlled opposition, an actor controlled by by somebody. What's your read on that? I always saw Trump as somebody who represents kind of the um, older Americana, and mm. so even though he had a lot of connections to you know powerful elite people, that's because he's obviously a rich guy. He's done a lot of wheeling and dealing in New York. I don't think you can be a powerful billionaire out of New York without some wheeling and dealing. But um, I think he, uh, what he represents in this and certain uh, power structures and influence that don't want to see America move into the total full-on Brzezinski-level globalism, that's why he was a problem. So regardless of his motives, regardless of what um, he did wrong and right, and I think he did a lot of good things, uh, better than any president I can think of, and yes, he had some failures as well, but uh, I think that he just represents a stumbling block, even just as a symbol, right. even as a meme, he's a stumbling block more. So it's almost like, you know, the Sam Hyde meme, it takes on a life of its own right. Sam, in the same way that Trump is a, is a meme, is an image that, that goes beyond Trump and it, what it represents has to be destroyed. Yeah. And, and he woke up a lot of people. Exactly. I know I was, I was always a libertarian. I sort of always bought the open borders argument until I heard Trump sort of elucidate exactly what right. open borders was about. And so it changed my mind. So I know he's had a, a big impact uh, <laughs> against. How can he keep getting away with it? I know. It's, somebody's got to stop him one of these days. So, Jay, what are you uh, doing right now? What um, What are you working on? Or uh, are you, um, I know you're sort of traveling around Texas a little bit. Is that going to continue? Or are you headed back home after this? Uh, no, it's pretty much done. Uh, coming to see you guys is kind of the last leg of this. But um, we're going to continue doing talks on um theology the gospel of john uh we're going to continue doing global elites books that's kind of what i do is uh basically i read these gigantic tomes and then right. you know summarize it for people because a lot of people don't have time to read this kind of stuff so i do your homework for you right i'm your nerd who you know you come to me and i'll give you the answers and then you go cheat when the test comes on you know multiple choice or whatever but yeah i, I noticed that whenever you do a debate you have these big tomes and they have like uh uh, post-it a notes all the way throughout notes. and you go that guy actually read that whole well book. the joke is that i just put this post-it notes in there and i'll actually read the books it's, you're right it's just fake <laughs> it just looks like i read the books but but you do read the books i do 
<laughs> you do the homework so my, other people My don't wife know. can attest that I do actually read the books. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to continue working through those. I mean, we've done about 45 or 50 of those, everything from Bertrand Russell, H.G. Wells, um, Jonas Salk, Jacques Attali, Brzezinski, Rockefellers, that kind of stuff. And then I've got a book coming out um, this, uh, hopefully this year pretty soon, uh, dealing with philosophy and debates and arguments for the existence of God. Uh, that'll come out probably maybe in the next six months. Um, and then... A lot of people, uh, I was out, a lot of people said, when is Hollywood, uh, Sir Hollywood 3 coming? So I may have to go ahead and do Ooh. Sir Hollywood 3. But uh, yeah, just continue churning out the content. That can all be found at jaysanalysis.com and on Twitter at j underscore d007. My final question to you, what, uh, what do you see happening in the next year? Do you have any predictions for where this all goes? I mean, all my pre- uh, predictions are, are rather uh, dismal. Yeah, I don't see it slowing down. I see the uh, the the control ratcheting up. It, you mentioned it earlier, like they want to move to the next level. The the illustration I was using was like they're like revving the engine because they're about to shift gears up to that uh, fourth or fifth gear of of global control. Exactly, and that's what I see. Any any predictions for the next year? Uh, new absurdities. Mm. Um, I saw people out literally wearing two and three masks. <laughs> Uh, I don't even say, I don't know how they're getting around. Like, how do you, uh, their masks wear masks and their masks yeah. wear masks and the mask wear it. So it's like meta level, you know, um, masks on masks. Yeah. <laughs> um, any, any, any attempt for us to, to, to pull back somehow, or are we just trying to like throw well, my, speed bumps in front of the, the racing was, Somebody train was here. saying that like Biden's, I think maybe Roosh was saying Biden is actually a good thing because it's going to put people back in the mode of like seeing how bad it is mm. and that's going to hopefully wake, wake more and more people up so that's my hope is that it's just going to be so absurd that we can maybe gain a few more uh you know open-minded people wake them up um, but I'm, af- I'm afraid that economically monetarily yeah i mean we're going to see a lot of money printing i think we're gonna have bad economic times is my my suspicion yeah, and maybe the only hope we have is that enough people wake up and realize what's going on and do things in their own lives that can help combat this. And then all together, hopefully as a snowball rolling down a hill, we can uh, get the momentum we need to to stop this train in its tracks. Well, thank you so much for being with us. That's thank Jay you. Dyer on Twitter at J underscore D007. The Alex Jones Show begins in one minute, folks. Don't go anywhere. Infowars.com. The following was written by Dr. Gad Sad about the narcissism and grandiosity of celebrities. Let me explain yet again the source for all the platitudinous virtue signaling. The truly privileged elites know that deep down they are frauds. They suffer from existential guilt. Hence, one of the ways by which they assuage the guilt albatross around their necks is to demonstrate to the world that they are truly compassionate, truly loving, truly caring, truly profound. Hence, they love all undocumented immigrants. They love Mother Earth. They love the ozone layer. They love BLM. They love socialism. They love inner cities. They hate the gentrification of neighborhoods. They love mentors of color. They cherish diversity. They love LGBTQ movies. They adore queer architecture. They are better than you, more caring, more cultured, more empathetic. This permits them to sleep better at night. See? I'm not a fraud. I may be a gargantuan parasitic hedge fund BSer, but I really care. I may be an overpaid BS actor, but I fight for solar panels. Those flyover rubes, you know, down there, deserve their lot in life. They are racists who bed their siblings. 
We are science supporters who fight against Mother Earth rapists while flying in our private jets. It is a classic ego-defensive strategy that permits the ruling class to exist within their fractured selves. And if decent people don't wake up against what is taking place, you will wake up and say, what happened to my liberties? Stop giving your support to the parasites, cowards, and traitors in pop culture. Support the truth. Support the new renaissance. Support the information war.